as the best you can. I know you got a mask on, but if you got to, let's do some hand motions today. You know, proper hand motions, of course. Uh, you know, maybe maybe do like a rock on sign or I love you sign or something or a peace sign or just wave your hands in the air like you just don't care. If uh, the the message is good, so I so I know that you guys are picking up what I'm trying to preach today. So we're going to respond today, and I'm ready to be here. I don't know if you're ready for me, but I'm ready to be here, and I'm excited to be here. I haven't seen anybody in about three and a half weeks, but we're back again. And how many know enough is enough? We ain't shutting down anymore. We're back. We're back. Mask and all, we got to do whatever it takes. I'm just thankful to be here. So can we do that? Can we take the attitude of thankfulness today and, and from here on out, whether we have to follow some restrictions or wear a mask or, you know, have to distance or follow certain guidelines, let's just be thankful we're in the house of God and we're here and we're not home. We're not watching online. We're with fellow real human beings this morning and uh, it's going to be a great day in God's house. So I'm excited about it today. And uh, we're going to preach this morning on something I'm excited about. I believe I have a word in season for you. Let's turn to Numbers 13. Numbers 13. Now, for the next few months, uh, we're going to be starting into something new. And uh, today we're not going to exactly preach about it, but we're going to preach uh, something different today. But for the next several months, I feel like we're going to need to go to a certain place. And as the pastor, as the shepherd, I'm taking to some fields and these fields are going to be in revival and prayer. And so that's what we're going to be talking about the next few months. Not today, but the next few months. And just to kind of get you to think that way and believe that way and get hungry for what we're going to talk about the next few months. Because how many know we need revival, and Brother Les said it, and prayer now more than ever. So we need to talk about it. And how many know you got to preach about it before you can have it? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the next several months, we're going to talk about revival and prayer. So today, I want to talk about miracles in the middle. Miracles in the middle. Now, I thought it would have got a better response about that. Miracles. Now, you've been home for too long. Miracles in the middle. So we're going to talk out of Numbers 13 today, and I believe this is a specific word for us. This is not a series. This is a one-time message that God gave me for today, our first time back, to encourage your faith, to build your faith. And so I believe it's a word in season for us. So Numbers 13, and we're going to start in verse 25. To give you the context of this is God's people are about to go into the promised land, and Moses and Aaron send 12 spies into the land to scout it out and to see what it's like. And so this is what happens. This is the report that comes back after 12 spies have went into the promised land or the place that God says belongs to them. And they came back and they gave this report. Notice what it says. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back the word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. That's where God told them that belonged to them. It truly flows with milk and honey and its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Now I'm preaching before I'm preaching this morning. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to overcome it. Now I want to read that verse again because you didn't hear me this morning. Notice Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now you've seen what's happening. There's 12 spies that came back and 10 were giving a bad report and 2 were giving a good report. Ten were full of fear, but two were full of faith. And Caleb was one of those men of faith. And he says, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Next verse. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. 
Verse 32, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the men who we saw were men of great stature. Therefore, we saw the giants and the descendants of Anak that come from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Let's jump back to verse, I think it's verse 30. Notice what Caleb said again. Let us go up at once and take possession. For we, are, we are well able to overcome it. Now, today we're talking about miracles in the middle. Everybody say miracles in the middle. Say it one more time. Miracles in the middle. And today I want to talk about God's ability for us to overcome. Because notice what he says. He saw the giants just like everyone else did. He saw the obstacles just like everyone else did. But he said, guys, we are well able to overcome this. Not because of our ability, but because of God's ability. And if God says we can have it, we can have it. If God says it belongs to us, it belongs to us. If the promises of God are yes and amen to him, they belong to us. And we can have whatever God says we can have, and we can do whatever God says we can do. And I want to tell you this morning, no matter what's going on in this world, or what's coming against the church, or what's coming against the financial arena, or the social arena, or your health, or your mental health, whatever it is, we are well well able to overcome it. Come on, that's a word for everybody this morning. The word of God says, let us go up at once and possess it. That's the promises of God because we are well able to overcome it. Now, I want you to say that every day for the next week over yourself. When you wake up in the morning, whatever you're facing, I want you to speak those words of faith over yourself and say, I don't know, matter, no matter what I face, no matter what I'm going through, God, your word says, I am well able to overcome it. I am well able to overcome it. Let me go up at once and possess the promises of God, for I am well able to overcome it. Come on, are you getting something this morning so far? And so we're talking about miracles in the middle, miracles in the middle. And I'm excited today to preach this. And, you know, I was thinking about this um, earlier and thinking about uh, the middle because I was going to preach about the end times and the, and the last days, which is a valid message. And, and all those scriptures, uh, I think, unless you mentioned it, Matthew 24 and other verses like that where Jesus talks about everything that's going to happen and it's happening right now. Uh, it, it's more accurate than CNN and Fox News if you read the Bible. It talks about the last days in detail and what's going to happen, and it's happening. And, and I was talking to God about this because I was going that direction this morning, and I felt like God said, I said, well, God, where are we? And he didn't necessarily say the last days, which I know we're in the last days. Now, that doesn't mean that I believe Jesus is going to come back next week or anything because there's still some things that need to happen. But God said you're in the middle. And you know what? This year has felt like the middle. And the middle is uncomfortable. The, the middle is an uncomfortable place. And you know, it's just like God's people in this passage right here. They were not in Egypt anymore, but they weren't in the promised land either. They were in the middle. They weren't where they used to be, but they weren't where they wanted to be. They were in the middle. And I believe that our world, our country, personally, our families are kind of in a middle place right now, and it's uncomfortable, but the good news is God can do miracles in the middle. Come on now, somebody. But you know, the middle place or the wilderness place, as the Bible talks about it, because they were in the wilderness for 40 years, the middle, it can be a lonely place. How many know this has been a lonely year for a lot of us in here? Because we've had to be away from each other, which is not good for us. In any ways, because God said it's not good that we're alone. But the, the middle or the wilderness can be a lonely place. It can be a hard place. It can be a testing place. But God can still do miracles in the middle. So we're just like God's people in this passage. We're not in Egypt anymore. But we're not in the promised land either. We're in the middle. So today I want to talk about how not only can God do miracles in the middle, but how do we get through it? into the promises of God. See, the miracle can either be a place of mess or it can be a place of miracles. 
The middle can be a place of test or a place of testimony. The middle can be a place of what happened to you or what God did for you. The middle can be a place of where you became a victim or you became a victor. The middle can be a place of whether you're defeated or whether you become an overcomer. But that's your choice because God is a God who can do miracles in the middle. He can do miracles in the middle of your mess, of your test, of your sickness, of your pain, of your loneliness. God is a God who wants to do miracles in the middle. Now, we live in a fallen world, in a broken world. That's why we have the middle. If there was no enemy, if there was no sin, there would be no middle. We would automatically always be in the promises of God or we would be in heaven. But we live in a fallen, broken world that's full of sin, full of suffering, full of pain. And we're in this world, but we're not of it. But we still experience those things because we're not in heaven yet. But realize the middle was never God's will. The suffering that God's people faced in the middle was never his will, and it's not his will for you either. Because the journey that was supposed to take 11 days from Egypt to the promised land took 40 years. Not because it was God's will that they would suffer for 40 years in a middle place, but because of their own choices. Because their own mindset, because their lack of faith, they stayed in the middle place and a lot of them died in the middle place because they wouldn't change. And it could be the same for us because you could get out of this year and everything change on the outside, but you not change and you're still stuck in the middle. But it was never God's will for you to suffer in the middle or take you 40 years to get to a new place. It only was supposed to take you 11 days, but you refused to change. You refused to get in faith. You refused to do something different. And it's never God's will that we stay in the middle. But the good news is God can do miracles in the middle. Are you picking up what I'm laying down this morning? (laughs) Miracles in the middle. And I want to share a few of those before we talk about going into the promised land about some of the miracles that God did for his people in the middle place, in the wilderness. Because we're kind of there in this country, in a lot of areas. We've been there financially. We've been there socially. We've been there uh, with our physical health, with our mental health this year. Some of us have been there personally. I don't know about you, but I'm in the middle place in a lot of areas of my life. I'm not where I used to be but I'm not where I want to be. Anybody with me on that one? And it's frustrating. It's annoying. It's not where you want to be. Our church is in a middle place. We're not where we used to be 35 years, but we're not where we want to be as a region changing church either. We're in a middle place. Some of you guys in your family right now, you're, you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you want to be. You're in a middle place. Some of you in your career, you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you want to be. You're in a middle place or with, with something that's physical in your life or, or your spiritual life. You're not where you used to be with God, but you're not where you want to be. But God can do miracles in the middle. And I want to share a few of the miracles that happened in the middle or in the wilderness place for God's people because those same things can happen for us in our middle and what we're going through this year in this world, in this country. The first one is God provided miracles of protection in the middle. God provided miracles of protection in the middle. Even though they were in the middle place, they weren't in the promised land, God's provided supernatural protection for his people in the wilderness. You see, the protection first started when they were in Egypt. That God protected them when the plagues came on the world or Egypt. That God spared his people. That there was supernatural protection on God's people. And it was light where God's people dwelled, but it was darkness in Egypt. That should be the same way for us. Not that we don't experience anything, but we have supernatural protection. And it could be dark out here, but it can be light in our homes. 
It could be dark out here, but the church is going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. That's what the Bible says, that gross darkness would cover the earth, but the church would get brighter and brighter and brighter. So there could be protection, just like God protected his people in Egypt. And when they came out of Egypt, God protected his people. And they were protected by a cloud by day and a fire by night. And God's protection surrounded his people that the enemy could not even see them. And we see that God's protection went to the Red Sea. And God's people went through the Red Sea. And the enemies that were coming to get them were swallowed up in the Red Sea. And God's people got onto the other side. They got onto the dry ground. And their enemies were defeated at the Red Sea because God is a God who can do miracles of protection for his people. And the good news is they never saw the Egyptians anymore after that day. And I believe God's going to do that in certain situations in your life. There's been things that you've struggled with for a long, long time. And God can take you through the Red Sea. He can take you through the Red Sea. He can take you through that hard place, through that tough place. And then when you get on the other side, the Egyptians are no longer with you anymore. Because God has destroyed and defeated your enemies. Because he's a God who can do miracles of protection in the middle. We see that in the wilderness place, there was plenty of things that could have harmed them. But God's people were never hurt in the wilderness because of protection. And we also see when they went into the promised land, they had many battles to fight. And whenever they did what God told them to do, no one died. No one got hurt. Nothing happened as long as they kept God first and did what God told them to do, even in the promised land, fighting all those battles against all these people we read about. God's hand of protection was upon them. So God can do the miracle of protection in the middle. Now, why am I saying that? Because there's a lot of things to be fearful about in this world right now. COVID-19, financial, terrorism, racism, you name it. There's hundreds of things you can be fearful about right now. And you need to remind yourself that God is a God of protection. And he can do a miracle of protection even in a middle place. Even in a hard place, even in a lonely place, even in a testing place, God is a God who can do miracles of protection in the middle. Come on, are you receiving that this morning? The next thing is God can do miracles of provision in the middle. A lot of people are concerned about their money right now. A lot of people are concerned about their job right now. A lot of people are concerned about the economy of this nation or the world right now. Concerned about where they're going to get their next meal or how they're going to pay the rent. How they're going to get their kids into college. They got all sorts of fears about provision. But God is a God who can do miracles of provision in the middle. And we see that once again in God's people. They came out of Egypt. They went into The wilderness, which is a desert. They didn't go to the Bahamas. They went to a desert. They didn't go to the suburbs. They went to a desert. And God provided for them supernaturally for 40 years. With no grocery stores. With no farmland. With no resources. God provided supernaturally for his people in the middle place, in the desert, for 40 years. Now, I'm going to tell you some of the things that God provided for them in the desert because God is a God who can give you provision even in the middle place. So we see when God's people went out to the desert, they have no crops. They have no place to get food. There is no Myers or Walmart or Kroger. There's no place to get anything to eat. And God says, I'm going to provide for you manna every day, which manna is bread. They weren't gluten-free back then either. 
He said, I'm going to provide for you. And God rained down bread every day. Hopefully like Red Lobster biscuits or something. Or maybe Texas Roadhouse rolls. It had to be something good. But he rained down bread every day for God's people for 40 years. So every morning when they got out of their tent, there was garlic knots in front of their tent. There were some cheddar biscuits in front of their tent. They didn't have to go work for it. They didn't have to go fight for it. They didn't have to worry about it. When they got up, God said, if you trust me, there's going to be bread every day for you. You're going to be okay. But notice it happened every day. Because you got to believe God fresh every day. You've got to have faith every day. That's why he says to give us this day our daily bread. Because faith has to be reborn every day. And he says, if you believe me for it, every day you're going to have everything you need for that day. I'm not going to promise you about next week or next month or next year. You just focus on today. And I'm going to give you more than enough today. Because God is a God who can do provision in the middle. So they woke up every day for 40 years. Garlic biscuits in front of their tent that, that rained down from heaven. They didn't see it come down. It just happened to be in front of their tent. And we're not talking about 10 people, 1,000 people. We're talking millions of people. We're talking a heavenly DoorDash came to millions of people's home and dropped off biscuits every morning. That's a lot of bread, but it never ran out for 40 years. Provision. So if God can do that, can he get you a new job if you lost your job? <laughs> can he help you pay for your grocery bills? If God can rain down food in the desert for 40 years for people in a lesser covenant than we do, can God provide for you, ye of little faith? God says, but you got to trust me. God can provide provision, miracles in the middle. Notice what else he did. They started complaining because they've been eating bread. They probably put on some pounds in the wilderness. They put on that quarantine 15. If you're just eating bread in the wilderness, you go bulk up a little bit. And they said, we're tired of eating bread. And God said, you guys are complaining to me. I'm raining down food for you every day. But because I love you so much and I'm merciful, he got quail from heaven, fried chicken from heaven. He started drop, dropping off KFC quail buckets to everybody, millions of people in the wilderness. Read it. It's in there. Because God is such a merciful heavenly father. He said, you're complaining right now, and I'm still going to help you through this because I'm a God of provision, and I love to provide for my kids. And you know what? I'm providing you bread, but I'm going to fly some quail in your way, and you're going to eat quail and bread from here on out. But it's not over because God's he's a God of provision. And once again, there's no grocery stores to go to in the desert. It's not like they had a reserve somewhere of plants and animals. and No, they didn't have any of that. But how many know in the desert, especially, you need water? There's no water in the desert. And God supernaturally provided water in the middle to sustain them for 40 years. He told, he told Moses, you know the story, he told Moses to speak to the rock. And Moses hit the rock. And water flowed out of that rock and sustained God's people for 40 years with fresh water. Once again, Moses was wrong and disobedient and God still helped him. Come on, you should be encouraged in here this morning. God is so merciful and loves you so much. He can provide miracles in the middle of provision. Even sometimes when we complain, God still provides. Even sometimes when we're disobedient, God still provides. God is that gracious and merciful to us as his children that he wants to provide for us. But out of that rock, 
came water for 40 years. How many know water doesn't come out of rocks? But it did. So they were well fed with bread and quail. They were well fed with everything that God provided for them. They had supernatural clean water in the middle of a desert place for 40 years. For once again, not 10 or 20 people, millions of people. That's a lot of water. It's a lot of food. But God is a God who can provide miracles of provision in the middle. One more, and then we're going to switch gears. God is a God who can do miracles of healing in the middle. In your Bible, it talks about a time where God's people were disobedient. And there were snakes that came. How many know snakes are a type in the shadow of demonic power? And these snakes started biting God's people out in the desert place, the wilderness place. And some of them started dying because of their own sin and their own disobedience. But God is a God who's our healer. And he provided provision for healing even in the middle. And he told Moses, I want you to to make a pole, which really looked like a cross which is a type and shadow of Jesus. And he hung one of those snakes on it. And he says, whoever looks at this snake on this pole, when they look, they will live. And I will supernaturally heal them. Now, we know that was a type and shadow pointing to Jesus because it tells us that in the Gospels that just like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness and when when everybody looked at it, they lived, so was the Son of Man lifted up. And when we look at him, we live too. But we realize that even in the wilderness place, even when people were wrong and sinful and they deserved to die because of their disobedience, because they're complaining, because they're hard heart towards God, God still said, I'm your healer. If you just look to me, I want to be your healer. And how many we already know in Egypt, when they came out, it says there was no feeble one among them because God is a God who heals us. And if you read the book of Exodus, which is the story of God's people coming out, it's that, that scripture, it says in Exodus, I am the Lord who healeth thee. That's in Exodus, in the context of God's people. So God provided supernatural Healing in the middle. And God will do the same for us. I know there's many of us in here, not to freak you out, that got coronavirus. We're all here. We're all alive. Let's be thankful. Because God is our healer. And we wouldn't have it any less. We've had a lot of people that ran through camp. There's some people that got it from camp. Brother Les wasn't even at camp, and he got it. But we are here, here, and we are healed, and we're on the other side of it now. Why? Because God is our healer. We need to be thankful for that. Hey, there's a lot of people that have had it and didn't survive, or they had bad symptoms, and they're in the hospital. We need to be thankful that God is our healer. God is our healer. So there's miracles of healing in the middle. All right, we're going to get into the real good part. You ready for this? So miracles in the middle, there's miracles of protection, provision, and healing. So I believe that for all of us in here, while we're in this middle place, do not be discouraged. Do not give up because there is miracles of protection, provision, and healing for us. Right now in 2020... We don't got to wait to 2021 to believe this. No, right here and right now, there's protection, provision, and healing for us. Notice, even when some of us have messed up, even when some of us have disobeyed, even when some of us have complained, because all of us have complained this year. Oh, y'all don't want to say nothing? All of us have complained this year, and God is so good. He says, I'm going to forgive that. I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to heal you and protect you and provide for you. Just get in faith with me. Let the past be the past and move on with me because there's miracles in the middle. Come on now. So there could be miracles in the middle, but we don't want to stay in the middle. We want to get into the promises of God in all their fullness. 
Like I said, we're not in Egypt, but we're not yet in the promise. So how do we get into the promises of God? I want to talk about two things the rest of this message. And the first thing I want to talk about, if we want to get into the promises of God, we're going to have to change our mind. We're going to have to change our mind. Let's turn back over to Numbers 13. And verse 30, we're going to read here, Numbers 13 and 30. It says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, the land through which we have gone as spies, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak who came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Let's leave this verse up here. But notice what it says. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Leave this here. So if we're going to get into the promises of God and not just stay stuck in the middle, we're going to have to change our mind. Notice what it says. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Because it matters more what you think about you than what others think about you. What others are thinking about you is not holding you back. It's what you think about you is what's holding you back. Because you're going to have to change your mind before you change your life. You're going to have to change your mind before you're going to have to change your lifestyle. You're going to have to change your mind before anything in your life will change. And so it's not important what your enemies think about you. It's important what you think about you. And notice we got to think about what God thinks about us. But it says, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so we were in their sight. No, who was first? They were. And you know who planted that lie in their head? The enemy. Because if you read on into the book of Joshua... The book of Joshua says when they started going into the promised land, all the people that lived there were already terrified of God's people before they got there. God had already prepared ahead of time when they were going into the promised land, and there was such fear and intimidation of God's people, they would have given them the city. They would have given them the land before they ever went in it. But God's people had an old mindset. They had a slavery mindset. They had a victim mindset. They had a poverty mindset. They had a broken mindset. And because of their mind not changing, a lot of them never got into the promise. Because they saw themselves like who they used to be, not who they were in God. They saw themselves as still slaves in Egypt, not sons of the living God. And because they didn't change their mind, they didn't change their life. Because they didn't change their mind, they were unable to receive the promises of God because of their mindset. But notice, the spies said, these people think we're weak. We're like grasshoppers. We're nothing. The spies said when we go there, these people devour people, and, and they, they, they take over people, and they're scary, and they're large. Who put that in their head? The enemy? Because in reality, when they got there, those people were scared of God's people because they had heard of what God had done for them. You know, when you feel intimidated by something, when you feel fearful about something, when you feel scared about something, it's because the enemy is scared of you. Recognize it for what it is. The enemy is scared of you. 
So when something comes to attack you with fear, realize the enemy's intimidated that you would know your authority in Christ, that you would know who you are, that you're a son and daughter of God, that you would know that you are healed, that you would know that you are prosperous, that you are know that you are an overcomer, that you would know that you're victorious. The enemy is scared of us, but he plays mind games on us to make us think that they're so much bigger than we are. Right now, in 2020, the economy wants us to, to, to draw back. Oh, it's so much bigger than we are. No, 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 no. COVID-19 is so much bigger than us. I guess churches can't preach on healing anymore. Can't preach on protection anymore. Can't preach on prosperity anymore. We can't preach on anything anymore. Why? Because it's so much bigger. No, it's not. But if the enemy can make you think that, you'll be stuck in the middle the rest of your life. Am I preaching this morning? (laughs) So if you don't change your mind, you will never change the way you live. You will rise and fall to the level of your thinking. Many of us are looking for God to change our circumstances, and God's trying to change our mind first. Because if he changes your circumstances without changing your mindset, you will be back in the same issues next week. Come on, I've been quarantined for too long. Y'all going to help me with this. But how many know that's all we want? We want a bailout. We want a rescue. We want God to take us out of this. And God says, if I do and you don't change your mindset, you'll be back here next week. God's more interested in changing your mindset so you can have lasting freedom instead of him just changing your circumstances to give you temporary relief and then you go back to the same dumb thing you did in the beginning. You want the prophet or the pastor? Which one you want? Okay. (laughs) But we're looking for God to change our circumstances. Just like right now, there's a lot of things that are out of our control. Which is not even a bad thing. It's just the reality. We live in this fallen world. There's bigger things that are happening. Just like certain financial things in this country. There's things that are beyond our control. When it affects other people. With with the restrictions we're having to live through right now. This year. With COVID-19. With a lot of things that we face. there's, There's things that are outside of our control. But we're uncomfortable right now. Because we're in the middle. And we want God to change our circumstances, but God is trying to change us. And if you don't change you, don't matter if your circumstances change, you're still there. How many people have I heard, if I get into a new relationship, that will change? No. If, if I move somewhere else, that will change. No, because you're still there. If I go to another church, that's the answer. No, but you're still there because you're the problem. Uh, if I go to another job, that's the answer. No, because you're still there and you're the problem. Um, if, if I change this other thing in my life, then it will. No, 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 no. You could change your circumstances, but if you don't change, you will have the same problems year after year after year. You can change your relationship. You can change your job. You can change your church. You can change where you live. But God doesn't just want to change your circumstance, which I I believe he can. He wants to change you and change your mindset. Because once your mind changes, you'll be free, really free. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So how we think about ourselves is who we are, good or bad, positive or negative, faith or fear. Not what others think about us, what we think about ourselves, what we think about. We have to change our mind if we want to change our life. If we want to go into the promises of God, we have to change our mind. And what do we see in Numbers 
13. Ten spies refused to change the way they were thinking. So they couldn't get in the promises. Two men changed the way they thought and believed God and were able to go into the promises of God. But you see, the ten spies that were in unbelief, they affected the millions of other people because of their unbelief and their decision to not change. Here's another side note. Usually the majority will always be wrong. Usually the majority will always be negative because it's easier. Usually the majority of people will usually be in unbelief. But don't let that stop you. Because God will look over millions of people to, to find two people of faith that believe him. and says, I don't care if millions of people don't want to believe me. I will let you go in and they won't. And that's what happened in this story. Two people got into the promised land and millions of people had to die in the wilderness because they refused the way they thought. They refused to change their mind. God said, you can't go in to the promised land with a slavery mindset. Until you change your mind, you will never go into the promises of God. Because you have to see yourself the way that God sees you. You got to realize he got them out of Egypt in an instant. But he can never get Egypt out of them. We know that Egypt is a type in the shadow of the world. Ask yourself this. How many of promises of God are you not getting into because you refuse to get the world out of you? Because we're the same way. We think we're so far advanced because this happened thousands of years ago. No, we're not. Because a lot of us in here who have received salvation, which is most of us, you got saved and delivered in an instant. But if you didn't do anything about the way you thought, you are still living the same old defeated life that you lived before you got saved. Because you have to change the way you think. You have to change your mind. And how many of us are still living in an old place, in an old life, because we got saved in an instant, that was his work, but we never changed our mind. There's people in this church that still live in poverty, not because it's not God's will for you to live in prosperity, because you still think broke, because you had a broke mindset before you got saved. Because your parents were broke, because your grandparents were broke, because everyone around you is full of poverty thinking, you still think poverty, and even though the promises of God say you're prosperous, you'll stay in poverty the rest of your life until you break that thinking over your life. Am I saying too much this morning? Some of you still think sick. And that's why you're still sick. Not because it's not God's will to heal you, but you think sick. Because your family thought sick and your neighbors thought sick. You got to change your mindset. No, you're the healed of the Lord. You're not sick. Some of you still think broken and addicted and damaged when God says you're healed and you're whole and you can have a sound mind. But until you think the way that God thinks about you, your life will never change. So notice salvation happens in an instant. That's God's work. But us changing our mindset is something that we have to play a part in. It's called the transforming of our minds. The renewing of our minds. They never got to get into the promises of God until they changed the way they thought. And all of us will never get into the promises of God until we change the way we think. I know I'm shouting today. I know I'm excited today, but hopefully you're here in my heart this morning. Let's turn to Romans 12, 2 in the New Living Translation. You're going to have to change your mind. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How many want that? A new person. Now, that's the real you. 
You know, the you you were before you got saved, that's not the real you. That's not the real you. The enemy wants to lie to you that, like, that's the real you. No, it's not. The real you is who you are in Christ. The real you is who you are when you get born again. But notice that happens when we let God transform you into a new person by what? Changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you into a new person who is the real you by changing the way you think. Some other translations say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because every day of your life at all times, there's either one or two things happening. You're either being conformed to the world in your mind, or you're being transformed to the word in your mind. There's no neutral ground. There's no, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not changing anyway. No, you are for the good or the bad. You're either being conformed to the world or you're being transformed to the word by the way you think. So it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way we think. Okay. So how do we change our mind? How do we change the way we think? Well, changing the way you think starts with what you listen to, what you read, and what you think about. Whoever you listen to, read, and think about the most is what you're conforming or transforming your life into. So if you listen and read and think about the world and the media and their opinion on things and their opinion on what's happening in the world and their opinion on sexual issues and their opinion on gender issues and their opinion on the economy and their opinion on how you should live your life, then you will be conformed to the world. If that's all you do, if you just listen and read and think about that, But if you let what you listen to, read, and think about be the Word of God, be good preaching, be good books, be good podcasts, that you keep that going on day and night like the Word of God says, meditate on the Word day and night. It will transform you into a new person. It will transform you into the Word. But it's whatever we listen to, read, and think about the most is who wins. The world or the word. And if we want to get into the promises of God, we have to change our mind and not get stuck in an old mindset, in an old life, in an old person that's not us anymore. Not get stuck in worldly ways of thinking about your career or your family or your kids or your money or your health. But letting God transform our thinking to think like the Word of God. Because no matter how much God wants you to get into His promises, unless you change the way you think and you change your mind, you'll never get in. That's what happened in this passage in Numbers 13. Two people changed their mind, and they decided, I'm not going to think like a slave anymore. I'm not going to think like a victim anymore. I'm not going to think like I'm weak anymore. I'm not going to think like I'm broken anymore. I'm going to think like I'm healed, and I'm a son of God, and I am chosen of God, and I'm an overcomer, and I'm not defeated, and I'm a victor, and I'm not a victim, and I'm going to receive all the promises of God. So two people got into the promise, and millions of people got stuck in the middle because they refused to change their mind. Numbers 14, in verse 1, 
Notice what it says. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and said, if we only had died in the land of Egypt, they wouldn't give it up, would they? And if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? They didn't change the way they thought. They couldn't get it out of them. Have you met some people like that? Maybe you guys are some of those people. We all have areas in our life that are like deep-seated issues that we need to let God uproot out of our spirit, our soul, and our body. We have some, some ways of thinking that is hurting us and defeating us, passed down from generations of people. And we need to let God get it out of us because they couldn't get Egypt out of them. So they were stuck the rest of their life. I don't want any of you to be stuck. I don't want to be stuck. But notice you got to let God change your mind. Change the way you think. Let go of the world. Let go of those things internally that have been strongholds in your life. Let God deliver you of those things. Let God get those ways of thinking out of you. Let God get that hurt out of you. Let God get that pain out of you. Let God deliver you of that so you can be free to go into the promised land. They never got Egypt out of them, and they never got in either. Are you guys hearing me today? We're going to close here. Can we get the worship team to come up for a second? Still reading in Numbers 14. Numbers 14 and verse 24. Did you guys get something today? So we talked about changing your mind to get into the promises of God. But the last thing I want to talk about is you have to speak your faith. You have to speak your faith if you want to go into the promises of God. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, you need to speak your faith. In Numbers 14 and 24, it says this, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me fully, and I will bring him into the land where he went, and the descendants shall inherit it. You're going to have to speak your faith if you want to go into the promises of God. And I love this verse about Caleb. You remember Caleb? He's the one who just spoke his faith and said, we are well able to overcome it. God said he has a different spirit about him. What is that spirit? That's the spirit of faith. He has a spirit of faith, not fear. And because he has a different spirit, he's going to go into the promise and his children because he's got faith. But how many know they wouldn't know he had faith unless he spoke it? He spoke his faith. He spoke what belonged to him. And he had a different spirit. And Caleb was able to be confident in God because it knew, he knew it was God's will that the promised land belonged to them. See, I'm not talking about speaking things just because you think it's cute. Speaking things just because you're like, yeah, I want that, so I'm just going to say it, and hopefully God does it. No. You can only have faith where the will of God is known. And Caleb knew God's will for his life was the promised land. So he spoke the promises of God. And it's the same way for us. We can be confident and in a faith when we know the promises of God. When we know it's his will. And it's not arrogant and it's not cocky to speak words of faith when we know what belongs to us. 
And he spoke and said, we are well able to overcome because he had a different spirit in him. I believe that for all of you in here because I know the spirit of faith can be taught, but it can be caught. And I believe that this is a faith church. It was born in faith. It is sustained in faith. It will overcome in faith. For 35 years, we are a faith people. We don't deny it. We don't run away from it like, oh my gosh. No, we are faith people at Church on the Rock. Not just because we're Christians, not just because we're a church, but we believe God around here. And we believe faith is the victory that overcomes the world. That faith is the way we receive from God. That faith is the way we live. That faith is our lifestyle. That faith is what pleases God. So we're faith people at Church on the Rock. And we have the spirit of faith just like Caleb did in this passage here. He had a different spirit. Notice because he had a different spirit, he got different results than everybody else. It's okay to be different. Do you want what the majority gets or what the people that are different gets? Because the majority of people that were normal, the millions of people that didn't believe, died in the wilderness. But the two that were different, that believed God, they got different results because they had a different spirit. And they got to receive all the promises of God. They got to go in and see their children and their grandchildren go into the promises of God. Joshua and Caleb got different results because they had a different spirit. Come on, are you feeling this today? But you got to be okay with being different. You got to be okay with not caring what people think about you anymore. I don't care at all what worldly people think about me, what I believe, the way I think. I'm okay being different because I'm getting different results. And you know, the same people that make fun of you today. When they're in trouble, they'll be looking for the faith person at their job. Come on now. They'll be looking for the faith person in their neighborhood. They'll be looking for the faith person at their school because you're different. If you want different results, you've got to have a different spirit. We're going to close here. I know. I shouted at you. I yelled at you. I preached to you. I teach you today. But it's because I love you. So he had a different spirit, and that's the spirit of faith. You remember in Numbers 13.30, he said, We are well able to overcome. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able. The message says, we can do it. You know, the person that believes they can do it and the person that believes they can't do it are both right. Say it one more time. The person that believes they can do it and the person that believes they can't do it are both right. And Caleb and Joshua said we can and they got in and the majority said we can't and they didn't. And I'll show you this next verse and we're going to close here. Notice what God said in Numbers 14, 28. Still talking about speaking your faith. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. Do you hear what God just said? God said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But as you have spoken, so will I do for you. And millions of them said they can't do it. And God said, I'll do that for you. And two said, we can do it. And God said, I will do that for you. As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. So if we're going to receive the promises of God, we're going to have to change our mind and speak our faith. 
last verse as we close, and we're going to worship to this new song, Graves to Gardens. I feel like it's only fitting for today. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13 in the message. Second Corinthians 4, 13, it says, We're not keeping this quiet, not on your life. Just like the psalmist who wrote, I believed it, so I said it. We say what we believe, and what we believe is the one who raised up the master. Jesus will just as certainly raise us up with you alive. Every detail works to your advantage and to God's glory. More and more grace, more and more people, more and more praise. So we're not giving up. Come on, church. We're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without us unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. Come on now, do you receive that this morning? Come on, God is a God who can do miracles in the middle. God is a God who can get us into the promised land. And we as a church, we're going to change our mind and we're going to speak our faith. Anybody receive that this morning? Come on, let's stand up for a second and worship together.